Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of um, Malachi today. Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you know where, you know, the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, it's going to be about three quarters of the way through a paper Bible. Malachi, if you don't, if you want to call it a little, uh, a name that has a little more pizzazz, you might call it Malachi. It's Malachi chapter three. How many of you ever heard that before? Malachi. Yeah, you've heard that. Yeah, you and me. Anybody else? Yeah, doesn't it make it sound more fun? Turn to Malachi chapter three. Three little simple stories to get us started. The first one uh, happened just this last week. Um, My wife and my youngest daughter, Anna, who's 18. Here's a picture. Those of you that don't know, I'm married. I've got three kids. This is my youngest daughter, Anna. That's my beloved wife. Hey, do you notice how she tilted the leg in? Yeah, she's hot. I like her a lot. <laughs> so anyway, this is my hot wife. Um, so they were out shopping because my it's uh, prom. For, they were out shopping for shoes to go with my daughter's prom dress. Prom shoe shopping, because apparently it's important for the shoes to match the dress. I see some ladies encouraging me. Yes, that's right. They find a uh, pair of shoes that look like they're going to work. Like, oh, those will work. They're not perfect, but those will work with the dress. They don't fit perfectly, but a great option, great. Those will work. But my, uh, 30, they're $30-ish, maybe a little less anyway, about $30 pair of shoes. Okay, that's not too bad. We got that much kind of a thing. But my wife says to my daughter, well, let's look around a little more. And then shoe shopping nirvana happened. They found the pair. Went great with the dress. My daughter tries them on. They fit well. It's like, yes, this is amazing. So she takes them off to check out the price tag. Shoe Nirvana is now lost. And uh, so they were tw- just, they were $20 more. So, th- and my daughter, uh, she actually said, Oh, they're $20 more. That's okay. We'll just, you know, oh, she actually said, uh, I can use these other ones. And uh, if my feet get sore halfway through prom night, I, I'll just take them off. And that was her approach, which is a very kind approach. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. No. Um, But my wife, I'm not there, but my wife then interjected into the conversation and made a decision and said, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and get the good ones. Yes. Yay. Good mom moment. I remember when she told me and she said, uh, because I don't know about your house, but my house, $20 is $20. You know, we don't have Bucket loads of money everywhere, that kind of thing. But she said to me, she said, Mark, I just decided I'm just going to spend the money. 
And here's the good news in the midst of that story, besides the shoes will fit and all that stuff. But the good news in that extra $20 is that we'll, just so that you're not worried, we'll make it financially. <laughs> right? That's story number one. Even though extra $20, will make it financially. Story number two, just less than 24 hours ago, I was talking with a friend of mine who is planning a... A graduation father-son road trip. His son's graduating, and it's a milestone in his life, and so he's planning several days. And by the way, he's got some things that sounds really, really cool. And he's not, it's going to be several hundred dollars, but he's not borrowing money to do it. It's interesting. Last little story, I actually know college students that are getting through college or have a legit plan to get through college, and when they're done, they will not be in college debt. Now, some people are like, you liar, everybody. No, there are people that do it. Now, here's the sad side of all three of those stories, because the reality is there are a whole bunch of people, every one of those stories feels like to them, that is a fantasy world that will never happen in my life. You get what I mean? Can I give you some statistics about financial stress in America? 30% of Americans are, they report as constantly stressed about finances. 46%, that's approaching half of everyone, they don't have any savings, any savings for unexpected expenses. Most, over 50%, most people do not have $1,000 set aside for an emergency fund. Now, let's just be real. $1,000. Now, years ago, $1,000 was a lot of money. $1,000 can go awfully quickly. Just recently, we had car trouble with one of our vehicles. Two things were wrong with it. that had an air conditioning thing, you know, that thing on the air conditioning thing. Not that was com compressor. So, Air conditioner, compressor was bad, and another sensor thing. By the way, there are a lot of sensors on cars that can go bad these days. And that, so our little dashboard was like, stop, this is bad, whatever. Two things. Took it to the mechanic. $1,160 worth of these two little things. And why I say that is it's just not uncommon. Right? Anybody have a car? Anybody had, like, little something little goes wrong and that little light comes, you just want to break those lights. <laughs> Look, it's fixed. No. <laughs> but anyway, that was the idea. Most Americans don't have $1,000. And a lot of times, you know, folks, there's going to be something that's going to come up that's going to require that. It's not going to be a $6 thing. It's going to be a hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Last one, this may be the saddest, 43%. Of Americans say that unexpected expenses is their biggest concern, biggest worry. So here's what I would submit to you. 
I don't think that that's God's design or heart for our lives. Um, Matthew 6.25, Jesus taught, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. I think that's his hope for us. In 2 Corinthians 9, in the New Living Translation, it says, God will generously provide all you need and plenty left over. So hold those thoughts. We're in a series called Margin, Making Space for the Life That Works. Today we're going to talk about financial margin, the idea of having enough so that we have some extra. Uh, to just a side note, this was not the talk that was typically, we had not planned on doing this talk this week in case, because we just started the series last week, in case you're like, wait, this is not the topic for the... Uh, Pastor Steve Huffman had a death in the family, so he was going to speak this week, so he had to take care of other things this week, so we're taking what was going to be in three weeks down here, okay, so that's why we're here uh, at this topic today. Um, So let's begin with a definition of financial margin. It's a reality that includes enough money for personal necessities and extra for the right moments. So that you can spend $20, let's say, on prom shoes and still be okay. Or do a vacation or something extra with a friend or family and it doesn't cripple you for the next and not put it on a credit card and have to pay for it, right? It could also mean when you see a need and you can help a life for $6 or $60 or maybe hundreds, like you say, I'm going to help this person, you can do it without causing crazy amount of mess in your own financial, this financial pictures, right? Are you getting it? Financial margin. Who wants some of that? Me, you. By the way, I would say there are folks in the room that have it. There are others that don't. I'm glad to be, in some ways, I'm glad to be talking about this. So the big question is, how do you get there? And there are different ways that we could go now. And I actually thought about talking about disciplines and savings accounts and self-control, or, hey, you might want to get a job, or, you you know, maybe you have a rich uncle somewhere, blah, 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 blah. But I'm actually going to talk about the number one piece of advice that I would give any to friend, family, the, the, the most important thing that might open a door to the best possibility of margin in your life. Ready? How about be faithful in giving a portion of what God's given you back to God? We're going to talk about giving back to God financially. Now, how many of you want to go home? You're like, oh, great. This is a week. Oh, come on, Pastor. This is a week. I brought my friend, and you're going to talk about giving? Sorry, we're going to talk about giving. But here's what I want to say to you. This, everybody take a breath. It's going to be okay. It's not going to be a high-pressure talk, by the way, and it's not a talk on giving because the church is in financial need and desperate for your money. The church is, we're in a good place. We just talked about we paid off our mortgage and we're in a good place. So kind of if you can resist the, oh, no, 
He's going to talk about money. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just doing it. <laughs> All right, calm down. But I am going to give you some ideas from a text that's pretty poignant regarding giving. It's actually going to talk about tithing, which is giving 10% of your income back to God. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Then, here's the promise, then your barns will be, I'm sorry, will be filled to overflowing. That sounds like margin. Uh, one more little side note before we look at the text. Uh, following the this, this service, I'll be in the chapel to interact with anybody who has questions or what about this? Because finances are complicated. And there's no way we're going to talk about everything there is to talk about in the next few minutes. All right? Or if you're just mad at me for talking about money, you just can come in, just slap me, and I'll go, I'm sorry. And then you can go have a burger, and everything will be better. All right. Malachi chapter 3. Um, the background in the text is uh, there's a, there's, God is addressing, they're his people. These are God's people. But spiritually, they're living in a disconnected season. I would actually, you might describe it as they're being spiritually lazy. So one of the examples in the book of Malachi is they're bringing their animal sacrifices to God, because this is before Jesus has come and died on the cross to sacrifice for sin. So they would like bring a lamb to sacrifice for sin. And instead of bringing good lambs to God, they're bringing whatever they can kind of get away with. So they're like, do we have any kind of sick lambs like that are going to die anyway? Let's take that one to the priest. That's what, you know, God is, is one-eye PD still out there? Because, you know, you know how he can't really see the one side. A wolf for sure is going to get him next week anyway, so let's give away one-eyed Petey. That. That's what they're doing. Uh, the teachers are not paying attention to details of teachings. It's just kind of a, it's not a good time. And so God's in confrontational, in a, in a confrontational mood. And part of that is addressing their giving. So here's what it says in Malachi 3, beginning in verse 8. God says to these folks, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. Your whole nation because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Look at that. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough, be room enough to store it. That sounds like margin, you guys. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. The title of the talk is Financial Margin 
escaping the life of paycheck to paycheck. And uh, I'm basically going to try to address the question, why tithe? Uh, by the way, I, my estimation is there's between 100 and 150 people at our church that tithe. They actually give 10% of what their income is back to God through the church. So that's like there's a number of folks here that tithe. There's also lots of people that don't. Um, but I just want to give you some ideas. All right, so let me pray. God, I pray for those right now that are irritable because I'm going to talk about money. pray you'd give them more peace. I also pray, God, you'd just help me have the right balance of grace and truth today. Uh, it's not comfortable for me to talk about this stuff, but I know it's, it's good advice. And, uh, so will you help me? Mostly, God, we need you to teach us. So we submit this message to you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things I see in the verse, why tithe? The first thing is this, I tithe because stealing from God seems like a bad idea. <laughs> Are you mad? Is that why you're leaving? Are you mad? I am so sorry. <laughs> Come on now. It's going to get really fun in a minute. I know her. She's not. Right. She's, is she mad? Oh, okay, good. We're like friends and stuff. Okay. Well, we were until she walked out of my talk. Stealing from God seems like a bad idea. You know, the text, it says, will a mere mortal, this is a, it's good to focus in, it says, rob God. Yeah, you rob me. Who are we robbing? It's because you are, ro there's this idea of, and by the way, I still kind of remember when I first thought this, oh, wait a minute, this tithe thing, this 10% is not my money, it's actually God's money. Chew on that a little bit. So it's actually his. Like we, he gives it to us, but there's a portion that's really not ours. It's his. I want to go for a minute. Have you ever had anybody steal anything from you? And think about how irritating it is when someone steals something from you. How many of you have had someone steal, somebody steal something? I'm guessing most of us, if it's not been us personally, you had like a friend and, and you had that feeling of, man, that's just wrong. I still remember when I was uh, maybe 20 years old, and I'd spent this money on a car, steer car stereo. I'd even hid it under my seat, right? So it wasn't in plain sight. Came out after work, reached under my seat to, you know, turn on the tunes. <laughs> Way too loud. Impress the ladies with my thumping music. I don't know what. No, but I reached down there to turn on, and I'm like, ah! Oh, no, somebody stole my stereo. It was gone. I, and it's just this, oh, it's just wrong. It's that. By the way, if you're stealing stuff, stand up. We're going to hit you right now for stealing. <laughs> Stop stealing stuff. It's not yours. Sorry, I didn't say that the other services, but all of a sudden, I was just quit and cut it out. Had a, a neighbor, this was a few years back, he had this really nice kind of a garden tractor, but it was a big garden tractor, it had like a little hydraulic lift thing on it, like as, as cool as a garden tractor can be. I'm like, man, that's a cool, somebody in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., uh, uh, took their car, backed around to the side of their house where it was, and was ratcheting this 
tractor up on a trailer to steal it right in the middle of the night. My neighbor who gets up really early at night saw some light. What's going on? So he went over, confronted them. They're like, no, we're not doing anything. Yeah, you are. Um, but you know, that wasn't even my tractor, but still was made me like frustrated. Now, here's the idea, because we all probably relate somewhat to this. Oh, man, don't be taking my stuff. I do not want God to have those feelings about me. Jesus Christ, say, hey, welcome back. Jesus, sorry. That part of the message was awesome. What we just did was amazing. Woo, it's the best preaching I have ever. Okay, so it wasn't that great. Um, Where am I? What? Tractor. Oh, I don't want God to feel that way about me. Uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, my friends. He has changed my life. He has forgiven all, every crud thing. I owe him everything. I do not want my Father in heaven to look down with a sense of irritation and go, why are you taking, that's my money, why are you taking my money? Why are you not giving back to me what is mine? I just don't want that. By the way, the verse indicates some consequences of not returning God's money to him, right? You're under a curse. That's bad. Uh, If you want a definition of a curse, what does that look like? Here's a definition you can put down. It is an irritating, long-term pattern. It's an irritating, long-term pattern. If you want to look at some biblical examples of what a curse is, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, after Satan deceived Adam and Eve, God says, you're now under a curse. And so here's it says, here was what that curse looked like. You're going to crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. So crawl, you're going to crawl on your belly. That sounds irritating. That sounds hard. At my age, that sounds virtually impossible. Now, I could do it for a little while, like, you know, do like an army crawl. But, but when you think of, no, 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 yeah, you're going to do that today, and then tomorrow you're going to get up and go, yeah, no, that, you, it just long term, no matter what you do, the next day you're going to get up, you're still going to have to crawl on your belly, this pattern. I'm going to take a little side story here. Uh, I think... Um, Sort of. Uh, some years back, I tried to raise some pumpkins, and I think I was under the great pumpkin curse of some kind. I, I'll just listen to me. I don't know it's re- I don't know that there's a pumpkin curse, but I tried to raise pumpkins because how many of you know everybody can raise pumpkins? Kids raise pumpkins and sell them during Halloween. I thought, ah, oh, we'll raise pumpkins. So I started raise, and actually the first year it worked. Second year started raise pumpkins. I don't know what happened. Pumpkin vines begin to grow. Oh, look, I'm watering. It's going to be great. They just died. Like, why are you dying? So I thought, well, that's weird. But the next week, next year, I thought, I'm going to try it again. So I tried it again. So I did a little bit more. I tried to work the soil. I thought, oh, well, we'll figure out some whatever that extra stuff is. Fertilizer, put on there. There. So they grew. And oh, it's going to work. They grew a little more. Nope. Then they just died. So two, three years, third year, 
I thought, we got it down. They're growing. I'm doing all this stuff right. And so the pumpkin started to grow. Yes, it's a pumpkin. It's going to be. And then before they got very big, they turned yellow. The tops kind of caved in. And again, it's the curse of the pumpkin thing. Uh, so I did this four, I think, or five years. But the last year, the last year, bugs came. Have you ever tried to do this pumpkin thing and bugs? The bugs. You knew what the pumpkin, the curse is? Well, where were you? I'm dying out there, my pumpkin. So this one thing, the last time I remember going out and the pumpkins were big and like, it's going to work. And then there was like a, a, a plague of bugs and chewed off all the ends and then they all died. Anyway, here's my point with the pumpkin curse story. By the way, I just quit. Trying to try. Um, no matter what I did, I tried everything. But then something happened again so that it wouldn't work. And here's what I think. I think I've seen things like that in people's lives financially. Here's how it goes. Someone says, oh, no, I know what there's a problem. This is a tough month, but next month things are going to get better. Right? Because I got a plan. But then what happens is next month, something happens and it's car trouble. You go, oh, man, I had it all. Everything was going to be fine. Car trouble hits. Oh, so you go, okay, well, so you figure that out and you replace the car, this thing. Or maybe even you just decide, I'm going to get a new car. You get a new car, no car trouble. Whew, got it covered. Going to have financial margin. It's going to work. And then medical bill. You're like, oh, come on. I just did that and the medical bill. And then this happens and so that. And it's this pattern of no matter what you try to do, then there's this unforeseen thing that happens. You know, so then you get overtime. And like, hey, it's all going to work. And then strange unknown illness. Kid, your kid gets TMJ. Who even knows what that is? What is TMJ? Well, it makes it so it kind of hurts. So you go, well, okay, well, you need to go to the, and then the doctor says, here, put them in this thing. Here's a mouthpiece. How much is it? It's a zillion dollars. It's just, it's a little bit. Zillion dollars. Well, insurance will, no. Or you know how, it's like, what? What is this thing? So anyway, it's the idea. And I think I have seen people that walk through that. And of course, here's the question. When things are going like that, a good question for us, I'm giving it to you. How are you doing at honoring God with your finances? I, when things start to get wonky in my finances, the first thing, this is not a lie, the first thing I do is I go, Am I, are, are we tithing the full amount? I, that's where I go. If you tithe, your life will be perfect. <laughs> that's, that's not true, sorry. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it is something to assess. Can we all admit that on this side of heaven, it's never going to get all perfect? But I am telling you there are promises associated with honoring God with your finances. And, huh. I'm thinking about whether to say it or not. Okay. I consistently... Because I know many, many people that tithe, the margin in their life is observably almost always incredibly more than those that don't. 
I've been watching this stuff for 35 years now, and I'm telling you, it's why I'm confident at challenging people to do that. Oh, and by the way, this is not, this is not absolutely directed to the amount of income you have. I know people that have made twenty-five dollars or $35,000 a year, and they still have margin, and they have peace in their finances. I've also watched people uh, make hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they have no peace. And it, it's still not working. I had a friend who, who, when I first met him, he was probably making $35,000, and then he made $50,000 over about a five- or six-year period, went from thirty-five to fifty to uh, probably eighty. Last I knew him, he was making $130,000 a year. This was 20-some years ago, and the whole time he was under financial stress. And I talked to him one time about tithing. He was like, I can't. I got this. I got this. Look, back then, I thought at $130,000, you should be able to just throw money around. You should just go. Right? How many of you think if you got that much, you should be the, the money fairy just throwing this stuff around to people? And it was just not, they... And I remember talking, and he would not tie. He loved, he was a Christian. And he was like, I can't. I'm not going to tie. And I remember thinking, I just don't. Sorry about that. <laughs> Wait, that was pretty good. That was a. Gee whiz. So let's bring this in the room. Uh, so if this is a new idea to you, Here's, you can fill this in. Consider this new thought. Just think about it. Think about it. If you're a Christian and you've been thinking about it, you ready? Here's a challenge for you. Test him on this one. Test God. That's what the Scripture said. Just test him. You've been thinking about it long enough. Jesus has saved you. You love him. Test him on it. And I know this is hard. This can be a stretch. I still remember the first time I tried to tithe. I've told this story dozens of times. Got saved when I was 20. Had a mentor who began to talk to me about financial things. I was in, by the way. I'm like, I love God. I'll do anything. Okay, well, let's talk about finance. Tithe. All right, what is it? 10%. Cool. So that for me, at that time of my my life would have been, every two weeks, I would have had to give $40. I'd make $400 in a check every two weeks. And so I was, here came the plates, because they would pass plates at that church. I'm in. So I had my two $20 bills, came all the way down the row. I put my two 20s in there, pulled one back out. Because in, in my brain, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's like a ton of money. I didn't, have a, I didn't spend $40 on anything. This is back in like 1835 when I was a kid. <laughs> Anybody remember when $40 was a bunch of money? Three of us? Okay, thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Thanks, Beck. My, never mind. Test him on this. The last idea uh, from this point is don't risk a hard season. If you're tithing, keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Keep honoring God. I do want to get to one other point from the text, and it's this. You want to write it in. I tithe because a blessing flood might change everything. A blessing flood might change everything. And the text talks about throwing open the floodgates. The floodgates. I've not personally been through a flood. I mean, like a 
a really difficult flood, but it's, hap- it's that time of year. Just watch the news. There's flooding going on. So here's a couple pictures of uh, what a flood can look like. Here's my understanding of a flood. I've heard people say, if that house right there, like I initially think, oh, that's a bummer. That's going to affect their carpet. They're going to have to get new carpet. Actually, a flood does not just affect that house's carpet. That flood is going to affect the carpet. It's going to affect the drywall. You think, well, the clothes will be okay that are up on hangers. No, they won't. The moisture is going to seep all. It's going to affect the septic system. It's going to affect the insulation. Does that make sense? Now, here's what I would say from the text. In a positive way, when we honor God financially, he opens the doors, but it doesn't just affect our finances directly. It's this multifaceted thing, blessing, favor is a good word in our life. Can I give you a couple ideas? I attach some of the good things that have happened in my life that are not super connected to finances with being faithful to tithe. One, I think God has affected my perspective on material possessions. Like I'm more content with stuff that other people would go, oh, are you okay with that? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm happy. Uh, an example. This was years ago. My wife and I were being diligent about paying off our first house. We were gonna, like, we're going to pay off the house. So that meant we weren't buying furniture. We were using old furniture. Friend came over. They sat in what I affectionately called our dumpster chairs. Why did we call them dumpster chairs? Because I got them out of a dumpster. <laughs> but they were clean. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, they were clean. So she's sitting there in this chair, and there were some frayed edges on the little thing. And she said to us, you guys, you know, it's not a sin to buy new furniture. So after I slapped her, I, <laughs> I didn't do that. Some of you are like, hey, come on now. You're not even supposed to say that. No. But here was the deal. Like for her, apparently, that was, this was like, this is not you. And. I still remember thinking, what do you mean? Those are great chairs. I love those chairs. Those are my dumpster chairs. And my wife has pointed out a few times to me, like, Mark, that's just a perspective you have. Like, I was totally good with the chairs. They were more irritating to her than me. I'm like, it's, that's like a perspective. You know, I do think favor comes in different ways. Some of the things that people are driven for and worry about, God in his grace, when you honor him financially, he just says, I'm just going to take that worry from you. I'm glad, does that make sense? It was just a, it was a, I had a car. This is during that same season. Uh, it was the last car I ever made payments on. We buy used cars and we pay, we've been able to pay cash for cars for a while. Um, but this car, it was a 1983 RX-7. It was like the coolest car I ever owned. I was 20 years old and, and made, made payments on this for a little while. But I prayed over that car this, and I, we tithed and, I prayed over that car, and I said, Lord, as long as you keep this car running, I will not buy another car because I don't want to put money into things that rust and fall apart, and there's a Bible verse for that. So I just prayed over that car. As long as this runs, I'll drive it. That car went 196,000 miles back in the 80s. By the way, in the 80s, like a lot of cars now might go that far. It didn't happen back then. I, that car ran so long, eventually I was sad. I prayed that prayer. <laughs> because we had a baby and it only had two seats. I'm like, seriously, God, I, for, 
I repent of, can you kill the car? Because I want to get a car with four seats so that we can take our baby legally. I don't even think you had to have car seats back then. So we just threw, threw the baby in that back hatch thing. and No, we didn't. I'm out of control. I'm not even paying attention to my notes. This is a great service to come to church. Come to the last service because everything's out of his, yeah. Just confront people that walk out. Like, what are you doing walking out? In our text, verse 11 says, I will, pre- 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 <laughs> I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the wheels of your cars will not fall off. That's what it says. So the, the, the point here is our generosity towards God has far-reaching effects. It's not just connected to just pure, sometimes directly to money stuff. We're getting ready to close, but there's a God story of someone, and part of their story is as they gave, um, it actually did affect their finances in a powerful way. Watch this. Hi, I'm Larissa, and this is my husband, Dustin. We've been attending the vineyard for two and a half years, and this is our God story. It was in, I want to say February of uh, 2018 that we really sat down and discussed our finances, where our life was, Mm -hmm. uh, where we were together, and, and making a commitment to make sure our kids grow up in a church home um, and Vineyard was the place that we wanted to do that and and Larissa posed the question to us uh, to me it was you know that's going to entail you know an offering or a tithe things like that that I was so uncomfortable with Um, but I think over a lot of prayer and um, just discussions together on and if that was something that we felt like we could afford, right, to, um, to squeeze in an offering. Um, we, we made a full commitment, and it, uh, it was in February where we made that commitment from an offering standpoint, and we uh, said, okay, here's going forward, we're going to begin, begin giving back to the church, and it wasn't, I think it was that next week at work after we gave our first, uh, what we would offering. say, significant offering. Um, that um, she stays at home and so I, I work but at work I was just offered a huge uh, increase I got a new account at work that nearly doubled our income a week after we had committed to giving an offering at the church and we kind of looked at each other like this was kind of weird and we just gave and then now we're seeing it come to life but then we were like, let's just stay faithful and giving. So we gave again the next Sunday. And then um, I, it was just the relief, I feel like, of once we started giving. Like, there was seriously no, no more stress financially. Like, everything was just taken care of. And we didn't look at each other like, you know, you can't, don't spend this here. As we kept giving faithfully, our giving grew. So we were giving more what we felt called to give. 
and that turned into a full tithe and then as it grew to a full tithe within within just the matter of like a few months we had literally tripled our income of where we had started it was just very humbling and knowing that he saw our struggles he looked at our life and said I will give you this and it's just awesome to know that you serve a God who will give you and know, he knows your heart and he knows your struggles and he wants you to come to him so that he can give it back tenfold. And I think that's amazing. Last fill in the blank. If you're looking for a secret to success, don't overlook the opener of a floodgate, which is that disciplined tithe giving back to God. Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your wealth, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Think about that. Uh, actually, Pastor Steve's going to lead us into the ministry time. I'm going to head to the chapel in case anybody wants to dialogue about uh, this idea. So Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.